If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. It is a numbers game here on VSIN. Happy to be with you. I'm Jeff Parles, of course. This great program brought to you by the good folks over at BetMGM. All right, second hour of the program here today. Eric Edholm joins us in 15 minutes. We'll get his thoughts on the Cryptic Rogers Instagram post. I, it was very Aaron Rodgers, that post. That's all I'll say. It was very Rodgers. And then, of, of course, uh, as well, later on in the program, as well, our guy Paul Carr talking uh, Champions League at 11.30 uh, Eastern time. Of course, uh, 8.30 here on the West Coast. Let's go back to the blind resumes, though, in college hoops because we're, we're nearing the tournament. We are... Less than three weeks away from Selection Sunday. Let's look a little down the board. A pair of teams that are both 40 to 1. Let's look at this. Let's start with Team A. Team A, 40 to 1 to win the title. Currently on the year, I'll give you a record here. This team is 17 and 10 currently on the year. Not the fanciest of records. If we are translating the way those point-per-game totals look. They're eighth in points per game, which translates in Ken Palm to 11th. They are 11th in offensive efficiency. The one thing I will also tell you with this team is they are 301st in the country shooting the three ball. They are good shooting the two at 10th efficiency-wise, but they are in the bottom of the bottom for three-point efficiency this year at 301. I think I may have just given away uh, given away who it is based off of that if you've been paying attention enough this year. Defensive efficiency-wise, so they're 310th in points allowed. That's because they're 17th in tempo. But they still aren't good defensively. They're 81st. So that number, uh, a little bit deceiving on the points allowed, but when you take it into a, a, a account of the efficiency on the defensive side of the ball, they're still not particularly good. They're 81st. They're better than Purdue, as we mentioned before, but you don't really want a team that's that low defensively. Now here's the second team. They're 40-1 to as well. They are 19-8 on the season. That 227th in the country points per game, nowhere near as bad efficiency-wise. They play a very slow tempo. They're 343rd tempo-wise. That's 
approaching the bottom, bottom 10 in college hoops. They're 35th offensive efficiency-wise. So even though they're really low points per game-wise, they're not, they're not inefficient. They're not in the elite of the elite, but they're not inefficient. Defensively speaking, third points per game at 57 and a half, they're 10th, excuse me, ninth defensive efficiency-wise in Ken Pop. So they are in the elite of the elite defensive efficiency-wise. Now, if I'm going team for team here, I would rather have, again, going back to the last one where I'd, going off the resume, I'd rather have Duke, even though I think Purdue's a better basketball team. If we're going off the resume here, especially throwing in that three-point percentage, by the way, Team B, terrible three-point shooting-wise as well, 222nd efficiency-wise from three. By default, I would take Team B because they're significantly better defensively than Team A. I lean defense in the tournament, that's more likely to travel than your offense to the tournament. So, what do we have here? Team A versus Team B. I like Team B. I'd rather have them on 40 to 1. Oh, yikes. Yikes. If two teams I don't really like this year on this board here, Alabama's Team A, I'm happy I didn't pick them because I think they're one of the bigger disappointments in the country this year. Even though they're... Their three-point shooting, as I mentioned, their 301st in three-point shooting, they're very high variance. We saw this year they went to Gonzaga and played them in Seattle and ran them out of the gym, beat them by double digits in a game that really never got tight. We saw them also beat Baylor. They also lost to Georgia, who has one conference win, only against Bama. Texas, I, I have said this plenty of times this year, I can't figure them out offensively. Their offense and their roster makes no sense to me. And we saw it over the weekend against Texas Tech. They just, they stopped scoring offensively. Now, part of that is Texas Tech. They're just grinders and great defensively, and they're just tougher than whoever you're playing. But that's one of those where we have blind resumes. You make me pick one of the two. I end up picking Texas, and that's a big old no thank you across the board on both of those teams. So, I don't, man, I don't... <laughs> That's a brutal one. I, I cruelly done there, Matt, never to do that with those two teams. Uh, I do, I will say, if those two teams played head-to-head -head in the tournament, I'd be very curious to see what the line would be, but I would probably be inclined to bet Texas if those two teams did play for what it's worth, which could actually happen. Wouldn't shock me if those are, that's a 5-4 game. If it's all said and done, it wouldn't shock me. All right, let's go to this. We're going way down the board here, Okay. So these are two teams that are, I would say they're both in the tournament. Bracketology-wise, I know one of them is definitely, and the other one is up on the right side of the bubble as of now, but could fall off easily. So Team A here, the, both of these teams are 150 to 1. Team A, they are squarely bubblicious, according to Ken Palm's rankings. They have them at 54th. Team A. They are very good with offensive rebounding. And by very good, they're number one in offensive rebounding. They, they are, they offensive rebound 39% of their misses. That is a ginormous number. Number one in the country. They're also terrible turnover-wise. Turnover efficiency-wise, they're 331st in the country. So you're getting a team that misses a lot of shots, but they're able to rebound their missed shots. But they also turned the ball over. 
I, that's not a great mix offensively. They're 103rd offensive efficiency-wise. Defensively, they're good. They're 26th. So just outside the mix of the elite for this team. This is a team that, again, I'm not looking to bet these teams national title-wise, but just in case if you're looking at a potential first-round matchup between these teams, which is very realistic based off the profiles. So that's Team A. Team B, better Ken Palm-wise, they're 31st. They also, to me, play in a significantly weaker conference than Team A. They're more balanced. They're 46th offensively, 41st defensively. So they're worse defensively, but better offensively than Team A. They're very efficient offensively. 14th in effective field goal percentage. That's great. They're top five in two-point percentage. That's great. They actually do a good job holding teams off the glass. They're in the top 100 for offensive rebounding-wise. They're not a good offensive rebounding team. Pace-wise, they're pretty good. 52nd overall. They're a fast-tempo team. Now, here's the question here. Because I have leaned defense so far in this. But for me, this is one of those where the difference in defense is not large enough to make up for the 60-slot difference in offensive efficiency here. So if I'm power rating these teams, I actually agree with Ken Pop. I'll agree with Ken Pop. I don't know if they're 23 slots better, but I would take Team B in this scenario if these teams played. And if you're looking for maybe a bet to make the second weekend, if they end up, these teams end up on an 8-9 line, maybe you look for an upset. Neither of these teams are winning the title. But you at least could look for some value, potentially other ways to bet the teams. What do we have here? All right, this is interesting. So TCU's Team A, I picked Team B, which is Wake Forest. I love Wake Forest's coach. I think Steve Forbes is an excellent coach. Came over from ETSU. Wake Forest, as you can see, first tournament in five years if they get in. They've been a mess over the last few years. Danny Manning did not do well there. TCU plays in a significantly better conference and playing the Big 12, which is much better than the ACC this year. TCU, by the way, also won and covered a good bet that we had yesterday on the show. Yeah, I, I'm okay with what I picked here. I think Wake Forest, if I you gave me these teams on a neutral, I would probably lean to Wake Forest. Probably wouldn't be a bet for me. I think these teams are pretty similar ability-wise. All right, let's hit one more. Now, these are two conference foes here real quick. And they actually happen to be playing each other tonight. Now, neither, neither of these teams are going to win the title. Their, their odds are astronomical, no shock here. Ken Palm loves Team A. They're 26th in the country because they're 11th in defensive efficiency. Now, this is a team that I've watched a few times, and they're, they're an eyesore offensively. I know this profile, so I, I, I spoiled it for myself. 108 offensively. Team B, the uh, other team that, they, that they're playing tonight, also loved in Ken Palm, actually ahead of Team A. They're 23rd in Ken Palm. They are number one defensive efficiency in the country. I would not have guessed that if I didn't know that beforehand. Would not have guessed that. They're horrible offensively, though, they're in the bottom half of the country, 174. So these two teams play tonight, and I can tell you, you can put them on the screen real quick, because I, I don't, I, I, 
Team A, Boise State is a favorite at home tonight against San Diego State, who is Team B, in a very important game in the Mountain West. And it just so happens to be that I will have a play on this game coming later in the show. How about that for a tease on this? So, NCAA tournament-wise, look, it's funny because Boise State's pretty easily in right now based off bracketologists and San Diego State is on the outside looking in. Based off the Ken Palm numbers, San Diego State should be safely in. Eye test? Eh, they're a bubble team. Mountain West does it right. They could end up with five by accident in this go-around, which would be a heck of an accomplishment for that conference. Coming up next, though, Eric Edholm. We shift to the NFL. What are we reading to the Rogers Post? And more off-season notes with Eric Edholm next on the Numbers Game. basketball insight check out coast to coast hoops with our guy greg hoops peterson who will look at you know what he'll look at every single game on on the calendar period every single game on the calendar and to find betting opportunities on side and total in every game greg has an opinion on each and every game the entire way this college hoop season and on the podcast he provides his unique insights and looks for those games with Solid betting opportunities. He finds betting opportunities on every game. So download Coast to Coast Hoops today. Now at vcin.com slash podcast, wherever we get your your podcast today. While you're there, you can catch up on every single vcin show as well. vcin.com slash podcast. Okay. Matt, we can't, we, can't, uh, we can't shortchange hoops like that. It's every single game side in total. Every single one. What a... What a war, what a workhorse Greg Peterson is. Of course, coast to coast hoops available now wherever you get your podcast. Now with us, though, of course, we're going to shift over to the National Football League. Our guy Eric Edholm covers the league for Yahoo. With us right now, Eric. Thanks as always for hopping on. Let's just dive right in. Are you reading anything into the Aaron Rodgers cryptic Instagram post from last night? I think I'd be pulling my hair out if I tried to actually determine what that meant. But... <laughs> I, I, I gave it a glance and thought, okay, this is sort of typical for Aaron. He likes to lead us down a path and then turn us back around and then throw a blindfold on us, spin us five times, and, you know, leave us with some zen thought that, uh, you know, kind of just mouth the gate as you go, okay, all right, sounds good, read a book, right? Okay, be, be kind to each other, good. Thank, thank a bunch of people. I mean, you know, that, that part of it obviously made it feel more like a goodbye, right? All the... You know, thanks for the memories, the the choosing of the odor and the photos. I mean, look, I don't get too, you know, armchair psychiatrist on this, but I didn't see it as a, hey, I'm coming back kind of thing. And, you know, we'll see where it leads to. But that was just sort of the impression I was left with. Yeah, look, it's trying to figure out Rogers-related things are uh, are next to impossible, Eric. So I'm kind of of in the same boat there with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I don't spend much time doing it anymore because it hasn't uh, paid off in, in the past. No, 100%. Uh, Erica, I want to uh, just shift over real quick because uh, uh, 
you, you covered uh, you covered the Senior Bowl this year, and of course yeah. we're we're going to be looking at draft props uh, in droves over the next month or so once they start really populating yeah. uh, the market. Uh, just uh, what were your takeaways of maybe some prospects that we uh, that that may be undervalued going into this that may go higher than some people would expect because of good performances in Mobile. Yeah, I mean, I think first you start with the quarterbacks only because, like, look, if, if you're, whether you're a draft better or not, if, you, if you're just starting to dip your toes into the draft waters, you've probably at least heard from afar, hey, this is not a good quarterback class, right? And coming off a year in which five win in the top 15, the first three picks were quarterbacks a year ago, you know, we were kind of shocked in some ways that, that Justin Fields fell to 11. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, comparing apples to, to apples, this class isn't nearly as talented. That said, it wouldn't stun me if we end up having quarterbacks go higher than they probably should in a normal year. Uh, to be honest, it's not a great top 10, right? You just sort of compare this year's top 10 to last year's. I don't think it holds up. Um, you know, the need for quarterbacks certainly pushes them up, and you know, I thought, you know, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, Malik Willis all kind of acquitted themselves pretty well down there. Desmond Ritter played pretty well, too. He started off slowly and moved up. You know, as the week went on, he felt more comfortable and looked more in place. It wasn't probably the best week for Carson Strong or, or Bailey Zappi, the other two quarterbacks, but, you know, I don't think either of them hurt themselves by any means. Just didn't really seize the opportunity the way that, you know, that I kind of hoped they would or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, that's, I think those guys are probably, you know, the ones that I, the first four I just mentioned are probably going higher than people expect. Like if you told me Malik Willis was going to go number six to the Panthers, you know, a month ago, I probably would have laughed, but now I don't, you know, I wouldn't put it past it. So that's, that's the big picture look from that, from the most important position. And then you have guys like, you know, uh, Jermaine Johnson from Florida state, the pass rusher, I'd be shocked if he gets out of the top 15 or 20. You know, I mean, I think he's going high. I kind of saw him as a late first-rounder coming in or early second. Yeah, he's one that's definitely moving up. So, you know, I would say on the defensive side, he was probably the most impactful player down there. Eric, uh, just to shift back to the quarterbacks, of course there are markets right now where you can bet first quarterback to be drafted, uh, it, it really depends on which uh, book you're looking at because Willis and Pickett have been toggling between being the two favorites. Would you look to Willis there as as the bet uh, at, at a small plus number? Yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating because the team that – here's how I'll say it. I, you know, I, I think if you're going to take Willis, you're, you're gambling on the trades, right? You're hoping that he's the next – Josh Allen, right? I mean, that's that's probably the ultimate prototype for like the, you know, big strong kid with big arm. Now Willis isn't nearly as tall, but you get the idea, right? The same mm-hmm. sort of power runner, good feet, moves extremely well. Is going to going to stink some people with his legs. Also, can spray the ball all over the field. You know, maybe not elite arm strength, but whatever the the layer just below that is, he can he he's got a hose. So. You know, the traits are through the roof. The development is still in progress. This is not a player that you're going to say, okay, week one, here you go, you know, go go face the Dallas Cowboys and, and you know, beat them and everything's cool, right? So I, I think you got to have a plan with him, but would it shock me if he's the first QB taken? No. Kenny Pickett gives you that, that reliability factor. He's been in college five years. He's faced Clemson four times or whatever, you know, so – 
you know, that and the big the, the big jump his last year make you feel a little better about him just in terms of what you're getting day one, what the floor will be. But if the ceiling is high, no. So that kind of makes me wonder, you know, you, you could see him go high for sure. But if you're going to take a quarterback in what's considered a bad QB year, wouldn't you gamble on the one that has, like, the highest payoff, potential payoff? To me, that's, that's probably Malik Willis of those. Maybe, you know, some Sam Howell untapped ability in there, but I, I don't think he's QB1 in this class. Eric, get home with us right now here on a numbers game. He covers the NFL for Yahoo Sports. Eric, there are numbers right now on odds to be the first overall pick at Ben MGM right now. Michigan's Aiden Hutchinson, still your betting favorite, slightly over Evan Neal, plus 165 on Hutchinson, plus 175 on Neal, Neal, I should say. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon, plus 350. uh, Equanu out of NC State at 4-1. to Everyone else, uh, 30-1 to or longer. Of those top four, uh, if you had to bet it today, which way would you lean uh, between Hutchinson, uh, Equanu, Thibodeau, and Neal? Yeah, I would say it's it's funny because <laughs> Hutchinson really has, you know, he's sort of the Kenny Pickett of pass rushers almost in that. I don't think he's a failure in the NFL. I think you're you're going to get something out of him. And so if you're a Jaguars team that feels like, boy, we just need as many sort of foundational pieces as possible, he's, his character is raved about at Michigan. I mean, there you can't get a bad word on anybody you talk to there will say he's, he's the real deal. You know, career-wise, maybe he's Chris Long, right? I mean, like a good, very good player for a long, you know, for a ten-year period or whatever it was. Maybe never that, you know, that 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 star edge rusher, Miles Garrett, Chase Young, Bosa type level. So he's below that in my mind, but I think can can be a really solid, dependable player. But if you're the of the mindset that, look, Trevor Lawrence is our potentially biggest asset here at number one in Jacksonville, we've got to do everything to help him out. That suggests that either Neil or Ekwanu are the possibility there. You know, give him better protection, right? Help the run game out. Don't get him killed. Get, build up his confidence. Give him another type of foundational piece. So I can see it, the case being both ways. Doug Peterson had good lines, offensive and defensive in Philly. So that's, that's my feeling is that it's probably going to be one of those three guys. And maybe the combine helps separate it a little bit. Alabama has their pro day pretty shortly after that. I mean, Neil is more of the classic tackle build. Ekwanu, I think, is more of a road grader. But, boy, I like both of them a lot. It wouldn't shock me if an offensive lineman goes one like we had with, you know, the Eric Fisher year or those, those types of unusual draft seasons where we don't have that quarterback or that star pass rusher right at the top. No, I, look, Eric, I, I don't disagree with you, especially where you already have, again, it doesn't hurt to have more elite pass rushers, but Josh Allen is there at Jacksonville sure. already. Uh, but uh, yep. that old line needs all the help that it can get uh, there in Duval. He's Eric Edholm. Get him on the tweets at Eric underscore Edholm. You'll find his great work at Yahoo Sports covering the NFL for them. Eric, pleasure as always. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon as we get closer to the draft. Yeah, man, good hearing your voice. I'll uh, hit you up soon. Absolutely. It's always always good to talk to uh, our guy, Eric Edholm, of course, of Yahoo Sports. Uh, I will say this. It is it – is, I am very excited to get dive into the NFL draft props when they start really coming out over the next month. 
I, I think up with Eric. I just don't know which lineman's going one, but I think it's going to be one of the offensive linemen. I'm leaning Neil at the moment, but I don't have enough conviction to make a play right now. We shift across the pond. The other football, Paul Carr on Champions League next on a numbers game. VSIN has a new great offer that can only be described as madness. You get VSIN all access to everything we do from now through the College Basketball Championship on April the 4th for just $29. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to vcin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. This deal only happens one time a year, so don't miss out. Go to vcin.com slash madness today to get in on all the action. It is a numbers game here on vcin. I'm Jeff Parles, happy to be with you. And now it is our guy, Paul Carr, True Media Networks, of course, Paul, it's good to good to see you again for the second time in about uh, about 12, uh, 15 hours after uh, talking to you on PTA last night. But uh, Paul, I, I, before we get into the the quartet of games the next two days, we're through one set of first legs here, and something you and I talked about last week kind of showed up, especially in the PSG Real match. Teams on the road, especially if they are the less talented team are probably going to look to play a nil-nil draw or something low-scoring with the elimination of away goals mattering in the in the knockout stage of the Champions League. I think so. You know, it's it's a working theory, of course. We're working on small sample sizes and will be for years, frankly. Right. Because every series is a little bit weird and different and all that stuff. But it makes sense from both a strategic standpoint and, and just really a talent standpoint that if you're, if you're a little bit worse, you know, in the case of Real Madrid against PSG uh, in case of one of the games this week, it makes sense to keep it tight. You know, you got a much better shot to steal one at home. If you can get that draw on the road. Uh, so it, it makes sense intuitively, strategically. It's kind of my working theory. Again, I think it really only applies to one of these games this week. So you're always going to have these super small sample sizes, to try and figure something out. But I think it's a good theory at least. And I'm kind of running with or at least keeping an eye on it until we get proven otherwise. We will get to that one. That is a Wednesday game that you're referring to, Paul. So we'll we'll get to that Wednesday game in, in a few moments. But let's start first, though. Today's action will start with a, a pretty nice-sized mismatch on paper here. Uh, the defending league uh, champions, Lil, who overachieved in a big way last year, have come back to earth in a big way in domestic play. They draw Chelsea, and this just feels on paper like a really just horrible draw for Lil. Uh, total here is two and a half, Paul, and you're looking uh, to play this. Yeah, I played it at plus 120 on like Sunday night. I played it. And I think it's down to like minus 110 some places. It is. So shop around. It's moving. Uh, I wouldn't go much lower than that. Uh, and I just, it feels a little bit like what we're talking about. You know, Chelsea is clearly better than Lille. Lille's defense is better, I think, than the numbers look like this year. You look at the underlying numbers, you know, they've given up, uh, I think it's 30, 
let's see, 35 goals this year, but only 28 expected goals. So there's a little bit of bad luck uh, in all likelihood there. Uh, Chelsea is good defensively. They're not as good as they were last year defensively, but they're they're reasonably close. And I think more importantly, their offense has not been very good on the attack. Romelu Lukaku has been almost invisible at seven touches in their last game against Crystal Palace. Uh, and they're still trying to figure things out. Mason Mount's probably going to be out so they're losing another attacker. So I like the under in this game. Lil would be thrilled with a nil-nil draw, even a one-one draw. Uh, Chelsea just kind of plays that kind of game. So I like the under here. Uh, minus one ten is that's the price you got to pay. Now it's about as low as I would go on that. Under two and a half uh, for Chelsea and Lil. Uh, this just screams Chelsea one little nil. That's just yeah. what it screams to me. Uh, just uh, looking from the outside here on this, Paul. Uh, the other one today, I- intriguing matchup. Uh, the usual Italian superpower in Juventus, who is having a pretty down year by their standards. Uh, they're taking on Real from Spain. Uh, Real uh, in this one, uh, Paul, uh, are, are you looking at the Spanish side here? A team that at least American viewers may not be fully familiar with. Yeah, you look at Again, the brand names of these teams, and you, you see Juventus, you see Viral, and you think, oh, Juve's going to roll in this one. That really hasn't been the case, especially the last couple months. Juve was terrible early in the season. They're up to fourth in the Serie A table now because they're undefeated in 12 straight, but they haven't beaten anybody good. They've really struggled against all the top Serie A sides. Uh, Viral's in sixth, so that's you know doesn't look impressive on its face. Underlying numbers suggest they should be a little bit higher in the table, and they've also been pretty good the last month or two uh, in La Liga, one of the you know even top two or three teams uh, based on the metrics over the last month or two. So I like Villarreal in this game. I like him at home. Uh, Juve's got a ton of injuries. This is a big factor here. Two, three start, three of their top defenders are out. Paulo Dybala up top is uh, likely going to miss the game as well. Uh, so I think they'll struggle to handle Villarreal's press which is uh, one of the better ones in Spain. So I, I like Real. I like them getting pretty decent plus money, plus 150, the price I played for them to win this first leg. Real again, uh, a, a team, like I said, maybe the American viewers not, uh, not fully familiar with, but a team that has had success in, uh, in these types of settings in the past over the last yeah. few years. Let's go to one where the American viewers are going to be very familiar with both of these teams. Uh, Atletico Madrid, Manchester United, big-time matchup on paper here, Paul. What way are you looking to go here? Uh, this matchup is uh, the, one of the two Wednesday games here on the slate. Yeah, this is such a weird game because, like you said, it's a couple powerhouses. Atletico's the defending La Liga champion. Uh, Manchester United's a perennial power, although they you know, have been relatively down over the last several years. But they're still in fourth place in the Premier League. Uh, they've changed managers. So... I don't, I haven't been all that impressed with United under Ralph Rangnick. Just they've, I think I've one loss in 12 games, but none of those games are against a top team in England. Only two top eight teams they played and they split with West Ham and Wolves. So I, I don't think, I think there's a little smoke and mirrors going on. It's maybe not smoke and mirrors. Maybe it's just a, a good schedule and they've, they've been on a good run, which they, you know, you should be if you're that kind of a team. Uh, Atletico's just a weird team this year. Also their defense has not been Atletico's defense that we're used to from the past few years. It, it just doesn't look right. Uh, and they've also been very unlucky. You know, they've given up more goals this year than all of last year already. And we're about two thirds of the way through the season. They've also allowed 34 goals compared to about 23 expected goals. So there's an element of not playing well. There's an element of bad luck here. I just like Atletico a little bit more. I trust Simeone, their, their manager in these situations a little bit more, these knockout 
games. Manchester United, again, hasn't played anybody well who's been good. And so I like Atletico to win this one. Plus 135 is the price I got to win this first leg at home. Again, a weird game. I'm not going crazy. Almost no outcome here would shock me if either team ran away with it, if uh, it ended up nil-nil. And, you know, we go back to Manchester that way. So I'm being careful with this one, but I, I did play Atletico to win. Paul, one last one here. Uh, Ajax, who has been absolutely dominant in their domestic play. I, I You said it to us last night. Uh, only a plus 65 goal differential in 23 <laughs> matches uh, awesome. in, in the uh, in the top flight in the Netherlands. Uh, they draw Benfica out of Portugal uh, tomorrow afternoon here in the States. Yeah, this was a nice draw for Ajax. But their, their expected goal difference in, in the domestic league is only like plus 52. So, oh, you know, what, a sh- what a shame. Yeah. <laughs> But I like I like Ajax to to run with this one. You know, they again have lots of goals both in the league. They had 20 in the group stage, uh, which was second most in the group stage in the Champions League the group games last season. Uh, and and they're rolling two goals in seven of the last eight games, and the other one they outshot uh, Willem 31 to six over the weekend. So no shortage of attacking options. Sebastian Hollers maybe the best forward you haven't heard of. He's got 28 goals in 28 games for Ajax in all competitions this season. And that's really not far. It's only about a goal ahead of his expected numbers. So it's not like he's just red hot. This is the kind of chances that Ajax generates. Uh, Benfica just kind of muddled through the group stage. They got through, they got smoked by Bayern a couple times and did enough the rest of the time. Uh, Ajax has a few similarities to the way Bayern plays, you know, as far as how they press and try to win possession up the field. So I think Benfica is going to struggle with that. And I think all of it's just going to lead to goals, uh, mostly for Ajax. So I played the over two and a half for the game total at minus 140. I'll pay that price and also played over one and a half for Ajax uh, minus 120 for that. So yeah, I think Ajax is going to, I think they'll win this one. If you want to play them to win, I like that too. A big card for you uh, for this second week of uh, Champions League first legs for Paul Carr. Under in Chelsea, Lilla two and a half. Be careful on the price because that is uh, the under has taken a bunch of money over the last few days. Real to win the first leg, plus 150. Real to advance as well, plus 140. Atletico Madrid to win the first leg, plus 135 over Man U. And Atletico to advance, plus 120. And then we're betting on goals in the last game. Ajax. Over one and a half goals, team total minus 120 against Benfica, and then over two and a half for the game minus 140 with IX and Benfica for our guy Paul Carr. You you got a lot to sweat here, Paul. You got a lot to sweat this it's week. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. And to your point on the, the shifting prices, I've found the last few years like these Champions League prices will shift a lot mm-hmm. uh, in the last 24 hours or so. I think part of it is just because a lot of these teams are playing Saturday and Sunday, and then a lot of betters, you know, you're not gonna place big bets until those games are done for injuries, whatever you might be able to pick up from those games. Uh, so yeah, if you think a game's going to go a certain way with the line, a lot of times the best move might be to wait. If you think it's, you know, it's going the right way for you to make that wager. If you think it's not, you know, you might need to make it earlier. Just, just something to keep in mind as these knockout games keep coming this year. Paul, it's a pleasure as always. Uh, we, we will talk to you again uh, later this week as well. So uh, a lot of uh, double duty yet again this week, Paul. Soccer never stops. Let's do it. Absolutely. As always, Paul Carr, True Media Networks. As always, big thanks to him for joining the show. We have uh, we have two plays on 2-22-22 in college hoops coming your way next on the numbers game.
protection you need is at BetMGM. Sign up now using the bonus code VEASAN1000 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Pretty nice deal there. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, and daily boosted odds specials. Plus, you earn BetMGM rewards points that you can redeem for room nights and dining at MGM Resorts nationwide. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter the bonus code VSIN1000, that's V-S-I-N-1-0-0-0, to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. This promotional offer is not available in Nevada. It is a numbers game here on VSIN. Happy to be with you. I'm Jeff Parles. The Lombardi line comes your way after us. Brady Cannon, Wes Reynolds, of course, the dynamic duo you also hear on long shots here on the network, which, by the way, uh, Brady Cannon just walked into the studio. My first words to him, if the guys on the long shots don't get a winner this week, it's a disappointment with the run they've been on this week. Basically, if this year, basically every single week they're just picking winners. Our guy Wes Reynolds is on a three-peat right now. What a, what a runner on, of course, long shots you'll be able to hear. Later today, actually, uh, that podcast will be available at vcin.com slash podcast uh, to listen to the greatest golf betting show that there's ever been. Long shots coming your way later in the day. Uh, it, is, uh, it is February the 22nd in 2022. So it is 2-22-22. A lot of twos. Big time deuces here. So it's only appropriate that I have two plays here for today for college basketball. Now, yesterday on the show, TCU got home. They covered four. Indiana State didn't officially make the card on this show. It made it on primetime action. It did not get there. A, uh, on being on the wrong side of a 27-6 to run is not a good recipe for covering. And that's what happened to us yesterday with the Sycamores at Drake. So we have two today. We're going to start, uh, as we uh, all expected, we're starting in the Ivy League. Let's start in the Ivy League. Yale is going to Dartmouth. Now, <laughs> first off, we had to double check where New Hampshire Dartmouth was. That is Hanover, New Hampshire, for the home of the Big Green. So this was two and a half overnight. There may be a straight two and a half out there still. But this is still good at three. We're going to lay three with Yale, who to me is the second best team in the Ivy. Princeton is better than them. But Yale, good, very good defensively for that league. They're 125th overall. They are number one in defense of defensive efficiency in conference play. And they're pretty significantly above everyone else. Dartmouth who has had their moments recently. They've actually won two straight games. They beat Cornell by 12 on Friday and impounded Columbia, who is the worst team in the Ivy this year. This feels like this number is a little bit shorter than it should be because of recent performance by Yale, or excuse me, by Dartmouth, and Yale is coming off a loss against Princeton, who I think is the best team in the league. No shame in losing to the Tigers this year. So we're going to lay with... Yale, we're going to lay the three uh, with a with, with the with the better team and the best defensive efficiency team in conference play in the Ivy against a team that is bad offensively, efficiency-wise, good for 280 in the country. So I think Yale's defense prevails here. I will say this first matchup was close. Yale did 
only win that game by three back on February the 4th against Dartmouth. But I, I think this is Yale comfortably this go around. We're going to lay the three with the Bulldogs on the road at the big green tonight. Uh, Six o'clock Eastern early start time in the Ivy for that one. So we're looking at Yale. The other one, of course, on 222-22, we have to take a we have to look at a line where the line is. You guessed it. Two. We talked about this earlier, actually, in our blind resumes, where San Diego State and Boise State's resumes are pretty similar. The first time these two teams met this year, it was a great basketball game. It was 43 to 37. Boise State won at Viejas earlier this year. Yikes on that one. You see the totals 119 and a half. That's been bet down pretty nicely from the overnight of 121 and a half. Our, our guy, Matt Neverett, uh, was asking me during one of the breaks, is that a mistake at how low it is? No, it's, if anything, it's too high still. I don't have a plan at total, but these teams play slow. San Diego State, as we mentioned before, is number one in defensive efficiency in the country. But if anything from that first matchup tells us that this is going to be a grinded out game where, yes, the road team won the first go. But I like Boise State, who has been very good in close games this year. We're going to lay the two at home with the Broncos. And, yes, I understand this from a bubble perspective. San Diego State is closer to being on the wrong side of the bubble. They are on the wrong side right now, according to some. But I'm going to take the team that even though Boise is not great offensively, they are still the better offensive team in this game. And even though San Diego State is number one in defensive efficiency at Ken Palm, Boise State is 11. So it's not like we're dealing with a defensive jabroni here. We're dealing with a really good defensive team, an elite defensive team. And I look, I, I will take Boise at home. They're only home losses this year. Again, they have had some, just looking at some of Boise's games here, they've just played some just disgusting basketball games, to put it politely. One of their home losses this year, they lost at home to Cal, Cal State Bakersfield, 46 to 39. So you can get just a total, just disaster offensively from both of these teams. But I'll, I'll lay the two. I'll take Boise. This is, it would be a sweep of the Aztecs for the Broncos this year. I think they completed. We'll lay the two with Boise State at home. By the way, for what it is worth, Ken Palm has this at 59-56. So that still has it going under the one, 19 and a half. Uh, again, of course, Ken Palm ratings, not the end-all be-all, as we know. But, man, it's pretty wild. A one a 119 and a half feels too high. That's how ugly of a game these two teams want to make it. So, yeah, that, those are the two for uh, for tonight for me. Other games on the card involving ranked teams. The biggest game of the day is out of the Big East. Villanova is on the road at UConn. This is a line that may surprise some. It does not surprise me that UConn is a two-point home favorite tonight. I would only look to bet the Huskies. Now, we have talked about this on this show. I think UConn is one of the more talented teams in the country. They just have that uh, – they just do things that the teams that are usually poorly coached do a lot. Head-scratching plays, lots of turnovers uh, in conference play. 
there are, I would imagine there will be some that will be taking Villanova blindly here tonight because the last time these teams played uh, in the bye week between the Super Bowl back on February the 5th, UConn won, or excuse me, UConn fell, lost by 11. Villanova won that game in Philadelphia and covered all numbers. But I like UConn. I, 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 it's not an official play. It's a lean towards the Huskies here. A, really an important game for the Huskies who are playing better of late winners a four or last five since that loss to Villanova on the road. And they have been much better at home. They're, uh, they lost to Creighton on the 1st of February was bizarre. They lost to Providence. Other than that, they have won every other game at home. A step up in class, though, for UConn. I would look to bet the Huskies. Not an official play. It is a lean for the Huskies. Other ranked teams in action. Arkansas is at Florida today. Both of these teams are coming off big wins. Florida, of course, upset Auburn over the weekend. Arkansas handled their business beating Tennessee and covering at home against Tennessee over the weekend. This is mostly a pick down from one overnight. There is one Florida minus one out there. This is an extraordinarily tough handicap. But I will say the total does feel high at 135. I'm not, not again, a lean, not a play. But Arkansas, I will say this, Arkansas is a significantly better basketball team than Florida. They're also a significantly better coach team than Florida. The only concern is when you're looking at quote-unquote spot plays here, whose spot outweighs the other one? Is it Florida's bad quote-unquote bad spot after beating number two Auburn at home? Or is it Arkansas going on the road after a rock fight win against a very good Tennessee team at home? throw my hands up and say I'm not sure if we're just going on strictly who's the better team here Arkansas is better but this is again a stay off maybe I'll have it by the time this game tips if Florida flips to being a favorite here maybe I'll take what Arkansas but those are the two Villanova UConn Arkansas Florida the two best games on the board to me today you also have the Sunflower Showdown Kansas is a significant favorite against K-State Michigan State on the road an underdog against Iowa six point favorites the Hawkeyes are at home, a little surprised at that number, but no play in that. So, Yale minus three, Boise minus two to two plays today on a numbers game. That's all the time we have. I'm Jeff Parles. Thanks for joining us today. The Lombardi Line with Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds next on Visa. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.